0: Gregoire and Dan Beeston are smart enough to know better.
1: Welcome to episode 106 of Smart Enough to Know Better. Guess what? We're a podcast of science. And ignorance. You have to put that in post. Put you in your
2: post. <laughs> I'm Gregoire. And I'm Dan Beeston. We have a great interview lined up for you today, but firstly, what about your week in
1: science? Oh, let me tell you about my week in science, Dan. I've had my life turned around by pure science. So physics, then? It's not no, no it's, well, physics. Well, it's not, it's not. You turn no, no, not forces. Put forces against this. Oh, it's, it's, you know what upsets me the most is endothermic, it? not en- endomorphic. My. Yes, my energy and my frequency and my va- vibrations are blocked, Dan. I they're I are blocked. I, they're all blocked, and I now because work- I'm getting a lot of them still. <laughs> I'm well. I'm just saying that that's what's happened to me. I realise now, and thanks to the Tesla starhenge. I can fix up my blocked energy, frequencies, and vibrations. Tesla
2: Starhenge. You got it right, bucko. So your, your mate, Dr. <laughs> Doctor Evil, uh, who owned PayPal. Uh, Elon Musk. Elon Evil. Evil Musk. Evil <laughs> Musk. Your mate, Evil Dr. Evil Musk. Yes. He has created a Starhenge. No, he has not. These are just random. So t- Tesla
1: has come back from the dead. Sure. This is one of those stupid, stupid, stupid things that people created. Now imagine... uh, I will put pictures in the link in the show notes, but imagine that you just sit in an armchair surrounded by these clear plastic tubes all around you, like in a gazebo, and they pass electricity around it, and it supposedly unblocks your energy, vibrations, and frequencies. Ahem. Anyway. uh, This... Okay. I, isn't frequency just, just pulsing? I
2: just... Frequency... Like, aren't there really important pulsings going on in the body that well, keep blood going? you your
1: brain frequencies, all sorts of yeah. things. But uh, look, the, 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 what... Anytime you see the words energy, frequency, or vibrations with, with concerning the body, you just go "bup." Biology is all rubbish. Like, it's, well, uh, there is energy in the body. There is energy, but energy, energies are in fields. Yes, yeah, so they don't they don't normally have frequencies or vibrations. So it's it's like mm, very frustrating. But let me just let me just. Sound energy. I can't, sound energy has I can't even read all of this. It has a frequency doesn't it? Um, yeah, yeah, but that's not in the body. Well, what if you swallowed piano strings? Thanks, thanks. You should call this person immediately. For only $38,000, you can buy... That is an expensive phone call. <laughs> a Tesla. A Tesla stage. I have to read this out. I don't want to read the whole thing in. But it basically, it says that, you know, where does the energy come from in the human body? I'm paraphrasing this very quickly. It comes from the mitochondria in our cells. Okay, so far, so good. Yep. But, but where does the energy actually come from? That's the important thing. Like, where does the energy come from? Like the, the food? The food chemical that, energy? The food that we eat, the chemicals that we eat. But, but that supposedly isn't what's going powering our bodies According to the guy who created the Tesla Starhenge, energy has to be 100% external, which is fair enough. But he's saying food, chemical energy, that's just no way that our consciousness could be created by chemical energy. It has to be something much more interesting. But isn't all energy the same? Well, look, yes, I'm not... Yes, yes. And basically he's saying, like, your cells can hold, like, six gigabytes of information and therefore need a really massive power source to run them. I don't know why storage power equals a lot of energy. You don't need... You could store lots of things. It, that doesn't make any sense either. Yeah. But he's saying that, well, you know, the Indians talked about... You know, hundreds of years, the Indians and, and, and Chinese talking about external, like, qi and qi and that sort of stuff, energy around but it. But isn't that bullshit? Well, yes, it is. But he's worked it out. Oh, okay. He's worked it out. He's realized... He's gone, well, actually, we are right now being bathed in these fundamental particles of the universe that are traveling all over the place. Do you know what they? Do you know what he's talking about? Like, uh, Quarks? No no, neutr- no, 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 neutrinos. Neutrinos. So he's saying it's neutrinos, and he's right. There, there are. Like, if yeah. your finger alone. There's like thousands of millions all through, straight past, straight through. you not interacting. Like wind whatsoever. through an electric fence. So he's saying actually you're being powered by neutrinos, and they can go back in time because they can. They can because he points out that recently there was a paper that said that neutrinos can travel faster than light. And if you travel faster than light, you can go. Back Back in time. That's not true by the way. Couldn't we be powered by tachyons? Well
2: maybe we can. And they keep and they power us up with tachyonic energy. Right. Except but at the end that it would have drained us all of energy because it's should, going in the wrong direction. You
1: should create your own beast and star hinge at this point because it sounds just. As why plausible. is it a hinge? Because it, well, it's round. It's a, it's it's in the shape of a hinge. And why so, is it a star then? Because the it's star not energy. Neutrino energy comes from ah. the sun. So it's Tesla because reasons. And basically, it goes on. You just read the. You can read it type t- p- pigeons. I am not. I am not going to read all this madness to everyone. But go through and read it. It is the bizarrest thing. So it, 25 minutes. It somehow focuses neutrinos into your body and powers your cells and unblocks them, your frequency. That's rate.
2: pretty good because it's hard to interact well, with a neutrino, it's, it's, isn't it?
1: It's impossible, basically. He's, like pretty, he's, he's like, really come across it's, something it's, here. And for only $38,000... Oh, that's a bargain. That's, that's a steal. Buy one. That's right. And, and what's sad is in southeast Queensland, I looked this up, there's quite a few of these star henges around. You can go to these retreats and things will up and down the coast nearby and go into a Tesla star henge. It just... Annoys me Ah. on a fundamental level. Can they protect you from smallpox and they, they, they unblock. And they unblock things, Dan. That's all they do. They just oh, unblock. Right. Oh, now I see why you picked Elon Musk because of Tesla. This is the car. Yeah, I am an idiot, don't no, I? Am yeah. I was like, why is Dan bringing in my boyfriend? No, so that unblocks stuff. Oh, that's good. It's good. So it
2: unblocks their their, their energies and stuff. Doesn't it unblock their big fat stupid heads? That's right. <laughs> They're big stupid f***ing heads that are filled with fat and dumbness. That's right. Unblock the dumbness
1: from their stupid f- fat dumb heads. That's that's the reaction I wanted. Thank you. Welcome to the interview, Scott Santons, journalist and advocate for basic guaranteed income. Hello. Hello hello. Now the question of course right off the bat is what is
0: basic guaranteed income? Basic income is the uh, idea that everyone would receive on an individual basis an amount of money sufficient to cover their most basic needs without any means testing or conditions uh, whatsoever. So do you mean
1: everyone? If you're an adult in your country you just get some money.
0: Yeah. I you know people will say you know how we define everybody so uh, you know some people will say citizens some people will say well it should be extended to residents some people say kids shouldn't get it and kids uh, maybe it should be adults only so when we say everybody it, it that is up for debate as far as whichever country passes it and how they want to define that but for the most part it's as many people as you can distribute that to that the country you know agrees to so really simplistically speaking you can just say it's, it's citizens only let's say
2: if i was a kid and i got like thirty thousand dollars a year oh my god the stupid stuff i would buy <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think it, I think it goes to adults. They so wouldn't go to the. They wouldn't just hand money to children, surely. Well, okay. So my personal favorite plan. It would be uh, children. Kids would get it up to uh, up to eighteen as well, but a smaller amount because you don't need as much, like you said. And you'd also. But this is uh, based off of let's say poverty guidelines. Like in the U.S., the federal poverty guidelines vary according to household size. So if you're an individual, then the poverty line is uh, eleven thousand seven hundred seventy. So about twelve thousand dollars for one person. Mm. Now, if there's two people in the household, so let's say a parent with one kid, then you tack on another extra four thousand dollars. So they need sixteen thousand dollars or else they're in poverty. So you don't need that much more money, but you do need some money. So if we want to eliminate poverty, then you have to actually make sure that there's some kind of increase per household size. Mm. So I suggest that they should be around four thousand dollars per child to adjust for that size. This actually isn't too foreign of idea uh, as well is uh, if you look at alaska we're actually in alaska with the alaskan dividend everybody gets it there as far as man woman and child and it's all the same amount there as well. so But that's a smaller amount. So the most recent distribution was around $2,100 that they got, and that was man, woman, and child. How right. is
2: that presented to the taxpayer in Alaska? How do they wrap that up and make that easy to digest?
0: Yeah, so the Alaska Dividend is just its own very interesting story. This started back in 1982. And that's when the dividend first started. It's gone on every year since then, and it varies by year. And what they're doing is they're taking the percentage of revenue from the oil, which is considered to be owned by the citizens of Alaska, and that is invested in, into a big fund. It's a huge fund. Mm. And you know this fund has been growing over time. I mean, the, the point of investing in this fund— was to actually create a permanent fund so that when the, all the oil is dried up, that there's still this giant fund that they can fund the government with its, with its interest, you know, with hmm. revenue that they get from that. Oh, so, wow. I
2: think we've got something similar in Australia, but all the money goes to a giant woman called Gina Reinhart. <laughs> and, and companies. And, so, and yes. so when we run out of coal, then everyone's going to surround her like a big piñata and beat right. her until the money comes out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, unfortunately, yes. In Australia, our resources just seem to go to the companies to dig it out of the ground and to no one else. So we yeah. we, we tried to create a mining tax uh, with our last government to take a percentage of that away and put it into funds, as you just described, and it didn't go down well. People voted against it, which is really weird. It's like people vote against their own self-interest. Uh, but but the the but the point here is I uh, just to go back with a little bit here. What you said before is you're saying about a thousand dollars per adult per month that would be about roughly right uh, with basic income?
0: Correct, yeah. What I advocate for is $1,000 per adult and around 300 per kid. So, yeah, that's what everyone would get. That.
1: I just want to speak for our audience here. So everyone gets that. If they're a citizen, let's say, they get that money. Please don't take this the wrong way, but are you insane? Like, where does that money come from? Like, how do you, like, suddenly this? that's $12,000 a year for everyone. How do you pay for that? How does that, that to me, that just seems like a lot of money.
0: Yeah, it, it can sound, <laughs> it, it it sounds really big at first, sure. And then what you do is you, you can look at what we're spending right now. And that's a really important part. Is mm. so where's the money going right now? How are we operating right now? Mm. And the way they're doing things right now is we're actually distributing about half of that amount and we're actually doing it in, a, a whole bunch of various programs, uh, subsidies, tax credits, deductions, mm. like just there's a whole mess of stuff that we actually provide this hodgepodge basic income right now. We, we don't call it that and we don't even realize it. Like uh, let's say someone got a – let's say they get $2,000 off their tax taxes because of the home mortgage interest rate deduction or something. Mm. They won't think of that as any kind of handout or tax credit, let's say. They'll just think about this. that's just, you know, that's how much they pay. And they don't, don't really realize, they don't see that as any kind of assistance. But it mm. is it's, it's it's housing assistance mm. for mm. the middle class and it's also housing assistance for mostly the rich, actually, is where most of these the home mortgage interest rate deduction goes to. If you look at all this money that we're already distributing, we actually cover about half of the amount. So if we We wanted to. We could actually convert all of this that we already do, and give people around six thousand dollars per year. Of course, the problem with that is, if we did that, then there are certain programs that would, you know, people would be worse off because Mm, mm. we would have converted the stuff at the bottom to cash and it wouldn't be high enough for them so that's why what really kind of the magic that happens out of basic income is that when you get it high enough so if you get it above the poverty level then suddenly that's the kind of assistance that we're giving people already is to raise them up to that point point. Mm. and also you're already giving people like these different uh, deductions stuff on the current taxes so okay once you give that high enough amount then suddenly it enables you to eliminate these these programs that no longer need to exist, like say food stamps. Uh... What are what are food stamps? Because I hear about food
2: stamps in the media, in pop culture, and stuff all the time, but I don't know whether we have them in
1: Australia. I don't.
0: I think you have, and this may be in New Zealand. Uh, I can't remember which one, but there's. They're uh, much nicer than you know us. Have...
1: They're much. <laughs> nice, they're much nicer than us.
0: <laughs> Some kind of card. Does that? Sound familiar is like, it's like a, a card of some kind that you can use, but it's only for approved purchases oh, okay. or something. That
1: must be New Zealand. There was talk about that in Australia as well. I don't think it, mm. it was it was considered degrading, I think. I, I feel like – uh, I don't know why. but
0: Because it, it really is. It's a, it's a great example of how wasteful this kind of program – Applying these means testing is in the administration of this stuff. It's it's so much more expensive than just giving people cash, mm. and you know you limit people's choices. So, mm. it, so mm. maybe in the in the U.S., let's say somebody gets one hundred fifty dollars in food stamps, which is in in the U.S. You basically get a plastic card. It's you use EBT, and then you go to the grocery store and you get stuff. And then some of the stuff that you buy, you can actually pay for with that. and Other stuff that you can't, mm. like you can't buy. So
1: it's like, a, it's like a fund. So There's actually it's, stamps. It's a government fund that pays for certain yeah. items for you. So it's basically a card that says you can buy bread and milk and barley and
0: right. wheat mm. and no beer.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> right. Hmm. Exactly. Yeah. You can you can buy certain things and not others, and, and then most recently we've been limiting that even further because you know we had the panic recently in the U.S. earlier this year. We're like, oh my gosh, you can buy seafood, you can buy lobster with this stuff. Well, we have to limit that. Like, yeah. we can't have poor people buying any kind of fish. Cause that's it's that where that.
2: P- that's where lobster came from. <laughs> yes. it's, it's a, it was. It was poor people eating sea insects. That's right.
0: <laughs> yeah that that is that is funny to look back in time yeah and see how those the origins of those things for sure
1: so in australia we have unemployment benefits so um something called new start where if you can't find a job that you can be on unemployment benefits for a length of time in your idea that would all be scrapped as well so instead of getting the three hundred dollars three hundred and fifty dollars a fortnight or whatever it is you would say okay no you're going to get in this case in your five hundred dollars a fortnight but just given straight to you instead of coming from unemployment benefits
0: yeah. yeah i I think unemployment benefits. I think is kind of a special case because that's something where I feel that you could reduce the amount, but not necessarily negate it entirely. So let's hmm. say, you know, because if you have if you're earning six figures and you get fired, then you know you lost like a, a huge income, and you would actually get a fairly large unemployment benefit for a while to help you to find the next job because you don't want to get kicked out. You won't, you know, not be able to afford your mortgage or mm, rent or mm. something like that. So let's say in that instance, let's say this person would get three or $4,000 of unemployment insurance, but let's say 4,000, let's just say that. Mm. But so then if you have a basic income, then they only need $3,000 because they'd have 1000 from the basic income. So you could reduce the amount of money that you get from these other programs in that particular instance. Okay.
1: All right. So maybe, maybe we have a different system. So in America, it's based on a percentage of the wage you were earning before. Is that correct?
0: In the US, it does vary because it's, it's employment insurance. So it's like how right. much you pay into it depends on how much you get out of it. Just oh, like okay. social security insurance too. I Isn't see, it right.
2: exactly the opposite in Australia? Whereas if you have been earning lots of money and you actually have some savings, they're like, you get nothing until yeah. you burn through your savings. That's yeah, they that's do. a tax on the sensible. Yes, It's like if I spent <laughs> all that money on pianos, they're yeah. like, oh, you're out of money. Here, yeah. have some more money. Yeah, we, yeah. We,
1: we have a base amount where it's just this is how much everyone gets at a certain amount. But I see what you're saying it's income insurance. That's a slightly different thing. Again, that's sort of a, a different system for us.
0: And, and the thing about the even with that Though too. So, we really need to go towards this system of unconditional unemployment and income because we are away from the point where we used to have full time jobs mm. for a good portion of our lives. And now there's more switching between jobs, there's more part time jobs, there's more temporary jobs, there's more self employment, there's more, increasingly more of this kind of gig labor kind of thing with, like, say, Uber driving or mm. you know various different apps, on demand labor, this kind of thing. Mm. The our, the way that we're employing ourselves are becoming more and more precarious. So it just makes more sense. You want a more flexible system and you want to design the system to be flexible. Yes. So what you don't want is someone to drop out of work and make it or make it difficult for them to drop out, then find another job and then be out of income for this amount or get fired from here because they, you know, are no longer, they had, business had a problem and they had to switch over to something else. Uh, you just want to make this labor market flexible yeah. as possible. Yeah. And whereas before we could actually afford to have these form-filling bureaucracies and stuff. (laughs) Let's say someone worked for 10 years and then stopped and then got another job and worked for another 10 years. It's not as important to be flexible, but in the market that we're going to in the future as more automation takes over, Mm. it just makes more and more sense to make it much easier and not to let anyone... To slip through the cracks and to actually encourage this flexibility in the market. That's why Denmark is considered uh, the best for business, is because mm. they have their flex security system where they actually make it much easier to both fire people and also for people to get income outside of work and then get back to work.
1: Mm. We talked to a scientist by the name of Stefan Hykovic a couple of months ago, and he, he wrote a book about global megatrends, like where the world will be in 50 years' time. And one of the big points he made was what you've just said then is we're not going to have jobs. So, We're not going to have set jobs, a lot of it will be automated. Things that people do now just won't exist. He was very panicked because he has young children and he was sort of saying he doesn't know what his 10-year-old is going to do in 20 years' time. He's just like, my research says my child is stuffed and it really upsets him. Now your system, well the system you advocate, the, the basic income system, is, is a way of solving this problem by saying, well if you're not going to die on a street, the money will come from somewhere and that's, I keep coming back, I'm not sure in my head where that money is going to come from, but, but in the end, everyone will have enough money to, to pay for themselves. So at, yes. least, at least food and a shelter, the basic things that we need. Yeah,
0: because it allows people to build on top of that. Again, it, it, so some people can actually hear about this idea of basic income and think that, oh my gosh, you're just going to have all these people out of jobs, mm. thanks to machines, and then everyone will be earning only $1,000 a mm. month. Mm. That's not the right way to look at it. The right way to look at it is to say that this is a, a platform. It's a new platform for people that's set above the poverty level. So you have this hard floor that's raised above everything, and you have to, you're safe enough and you have those resources to build on top of of it. Mm. So, and, and you see this in all these experiments that have been done in um, unconditional cash transfers and basing kingdom pilots. When you do this, when people have an amount of money to use, then they can actually use that to create more money. So mm. they can uh, employ themselves, you know, they can help small businesses. You know, it enables people to engage in the economy. And that's mm. really uh, an important aspect of this is, is that uh, you're always able to earn more on top of this. But it's, it's not just like the ceiling, it's a floor. It's, it's a minimum.
1: Yeah, I see. The question here is, is this communism? Is this like saying all the money that comes from elsewhere will just get redistributed equally amongst everyone equally? That is that To me, that seems like that, that old concept of communism.
0: No, it's 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 not at all. It's very capitalistic. It's more capitalistic than we have right now, because what you want to do is you want to look at this as terms of, of markets and, and mm. um, price signaling. So what you want is you need to have price signals. You need to have people having money in order to purchase things within the Economy to show their demand and for demand to meet supply. Mm. It, it actually, if you look back at the origins of food stamps in the U.S., it's a very fascinating story. What we did back then in World War II was we actually distributed food from the back of trucks. Mm. And this was during the Great Depression. People needed, needed food, so they got actually excess food. And actually, that costs a lot, a lot of money, too. You've got trucks full of food, and they were literal handouts. That's where the phrase came from, mm. handouts. And uh, you had people that were concerned about this. They're like, well, you've got people that are not engaging in the economy. They're not going to the stores. They're not buying anything so they were actually just creating uh, it was more like communistic it was like you're handing out bread you're handing out food you're not using the market so the the idea for food stamps were like okay so why don't we just give people the means of purchasing food and then they just go to the store and then the store will handle all the distribution and stuff we don't want to centralize this stuff we want to decentralize it Mm. so basic basic income is a way of further decentralizing it by making sure that people have the means of actually engaging in capitalism engaging in the economy right the way i like to talk about it too is with monopoly like you don't start monopoly with nothing because then you couldn't really play the game you have to have a minimum amount of money to actually engage in it yes so it's really just a dog or a hat
1: Starting. That's true. Yes, a dog or a hat. That's right. I was always the boot. That was my thing. That was my very important to be the boot. I wonder if there's a communist yeah. version
2: of Monopoly. <laughs> it's just all blank squares That's... except every time you come around, you collect a hundred, like two hundred dollars at the corner. <laughs>
0: and... <laughs> the right, well, you get a loaf of bread. You, that's you right. Pass go you get and, a loaf of bread. Yes, collect, <laughs> and when you collect, go to jail, to, you never get that's out. That's right. Yeah,
1: go to Siberia. Do not go, <laughs> go directly to Siberia. Do not pass go Do not pass Moscow. Anyway, we shouldn't. That's terrible. <laughs> so, so it's you know, it's, it's market based. But if okay, if I if I earned what I earn now, but and now someone gives me a $1000 extra that's across the board in australia we're getting $1000 extra surely i'm just thinking about the way businesses seem to work wouldn't their prices rise to absorb that extra $1000 so across my, my loaf of bread would go up so many cents and my car would go up, so much fuel would go up. by So in the end, it would just vanish into the, into the system.
0: It's a very common concern when people first hear about it. And it, there's actually a lot of variables involved in uh, looking at this uh, concern about inflation. And one of the things is that are we printing all this money? Is all this new money or is it existing money? So that's mm. already a difference. So if you're, if you're transferring money, then that money already exists uh, yeah. versus if you're creating all this money that suddenly, let's say, dilutes the supply. Mm. So if you dilute everything, that's going to have uh, more inflation if you don't okay. do that.
1: Yeah, so in Australia, I, I did some maths and worked out it would be about 14 to $16 billion a year extra. It could be only 23. We have about 16 million adults in Australia, so any small. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that would be about $14, $16 billion a year. So you're not saying create $16 billion by switching on the magic printing press and creating money – driving up inflation.
0: Yeah, I don't think it's a good idea to print the entire amount. And it's not to mm. say that you can't print some of it, because right. you can see, like, with quantitative e- quantitative easing programs that you can mm. actually—and we do actually create new money all the time yes. as the economy grows. Yes. And, we, and we need to do that. <laughs> we have to grow the economy, by, and we when we do that, we need more money to do so. So mm. there is an argument to fund some of it with— new money in the hands of people it's like, it's a people's quantitative easing is one way to look at it oh, or, well, yeah. this, kind of, this kind of thing mm. so you, you can do it that way but I wouldn't recommend doing the entire thing mm. all at once you know, to create that much more money without like a whole lot of other change
2: that would kind of work though wouldn't it because if you did do that then the value of people who had like people have $10,000 the value of their $10,000 goes down to like $950 because of inflation but that money does go straight to poor people, so that they've got the minimum wage. So it, it kind of it kind of reaches the the goal of you take a little bit of me, a little bit of money off the top to give it to the people who are starving to death.
0: Yeah, I mean there is an argument for saying that inflation yeah. is is a good thing, mm. uh, but it, it, the important part <laughs> is that that you would inflate uh, if you did this in this way. And it's a separate argument to saying if you want that, if it's a good thing or not a good thing. Mm. But for the most part, people tend to be afraid of inflation. So that's kind of you want to minimize it. And let's say the, the target rate of inflation is around 2 percent. Mm. For most uh, developed economies, it's kind of the target. So mm. it, you would want to aim for that. And if it goes above that, then people would usually want to pull it down a bit. And if you go below, it, you want to go up. Mm. And the thing is, too, is that we haven't been meeting our inflation targets in the U.S. Mm. It's actually been very hard because technology is actually fairly deflationary
1: yes well in australia so our inflation is very low at the moment and the rba yeah. our reserve bank keeps lowering it to get, desperately try to get the economy going again and that sort of stuff so i mean everyone goes hooray hooray because the mortgages aren't going up but really it's not great to be lower than about two percent it's always that kind of what's good for you is not necessarily good for the economy And vice versa.
0: Right, right. So most people try to to aim for the 2%. Hmm. Yeah. So could could we just tax all the rich people? uh, Yeah. So (laughs) if you want want to... You create the income necessarily for basic income. It, it makes the most sense to to transfer to effectively design it so it's a transfer from the top quintile to the bottom three quintiles. Essentially, Oof. you want to go from the top twenty percent to the bottom sixty percent. Uh, that's that's what a really good designed program would be. So, mm. how do you do that? Is yes. the question? <laughs> <laughs> and, Think, I mean, I
2: know, I know, I
1: know. Oh, hang on. Yes. You
2: make a duplicate. <laughs> A duplicate Cayman Islands. You build a whole new set of <laughs> islands, and you you surreptitiously move the old Cayman Islands out of the way. Right? Like, Come bring your money here I to see. the new Caymans, and it's actually a government front.
1: that
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, could be one way. Be one way. <laughs> yeah. That was six
0: trillion dollars uh, well spent.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Well, the Chinese are doing but, it. They're, they're building islands in the South China Sea. Maybe we could do it somewhere else. It'd be fine. It'd be fine.
0: Yeah, yeah. There are some creative ways to actually go about that, and I do recommend creative ways instead mm. of just saying, okay, let's tax wealth because it, mm. it just seems mm. very difficult to do. But what you can do, uh, and these kind of things make sense anyways, I think, as well, is let's say a financial transaction tax. And mm-hmm. uh, This is something that would mostly tax the top, and, and yes, that would be... It would, a financial transaction tax is something that would mostly tax the the top of the income and wealth spectrum, but at the same time mm. uh, you know this is something that they 're not going to avoid to you know pay just a slight fraction more uh, across all these you know small oh. transactions i i, I 'm not too sure about that I I,
1: <laughs> I I have a feeling that they would rather see most of us dead than, than pay one dollar more we, we had a problem in our country until quite recently there was our government had rated us all as lifters and leaners so they said the age of entitlement is over so you have to be a lifter not a leaner and it was really quite a horrible system to find yourself in of you know, are you a lifter or are you a leaner in fact i was thinking exactly about basic income going well that would instantly get put into the leaner category because you, you know you're not it seems like you're taking money for nothing it drove me insane sorry i just i was the Heart very foundation said it's better to be leaner <laughs> <laughs> That's true, yes. You, you, you yeah. want your, your heart to be lean.
0: In the U.S., it's makers versus takers. Oh, they- <laughs> In the U.K., I believe it's strivers versus givers. Oh, uh, my so, goodness. Yeah, it was- <laughs> it's... It's all over the world. Yeah, oh, people can think about it this way. That's and, awful. Again, it's,
1: and, they, it's, and, yeah. and we have like, these oligarchs and these uh, massive – especially in mining. We have a lot of mining in this country. We have like a quarter of the world's uranium and we have so much coal. It's ridiculous. Not, not a lot of oil but, but lots of coal. And all these people refuse to play like, – they just – oh, we're taxed enough, thanks. We don't want to pay any more. And they run the government. So, and that's, hang on. That's, that's a bit conspiracy theory. But they have a lot of leverage <laughs> – <laughs> over, well, sure. over the governments, and I just don't see how they would want to pay. To go back to what you're saying before, they they would say, "No, I pay enough. Thank you very much. I pay I pay two uh, percent on my income that you can find."
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a major challenge. Uh, mm. but, but at the same time, this is where the momentum is building, is that uh, it really—it's a, it's a matter of people in their countries deciding that it's should be operating for their benefit, uh, for, the, for the benefit of the whole country and not just for the few. Mm. And mm. so you can pass these, and we do need to pass these things. It's just a matter of, per country, which one will do it best for them. So maybe that maybe that's a financial transaction tax in combination with, say, value-added tax, maybe in combination— mm with a uh, land value tax or it could be bill gates has recommended that we do something more like a progressive consumption tax so there's these different versions of raising this revenue that so, so uh, we can and should do
1: scott what's a progressive consumption tax is that like because we have a goods and services tax in australia where everything as long as it's not basic food or education you charge 10 percent extra and it goes straight
0: to the government a progressive consumption tax is uh, i guess simplistically speaking it's saying that instead of your income being taxed it's uh, it's it's subtracting what you've put in savings and what you've spent so let's say what whatever you've spent that year the, that's not what you've saved is what you would get taxed on so it's just uh, trying to get at oh. your expenditures and not your work so it's uh, saying let's tax what you purchase all in total, not just like a, not just say like a value-added tax, not like a sales tax. It's, it's kind of more complicated in a way, but at the same time, it's people who are anti-income tax will favor that because mm-hmm. it's not taxing their work; it's taxing, you know, what they've done with so, their so,
1: work. Okay. So that's a really interesting idea. So I just, I'm really excited about that concept. So if you're a person who saves, basically, it's an it's a tax system that rewards people who save and it punishes, or at least it, it taxes people who. Spend lots and lots of stuff. That's,
0: yes, that's interesting. It's right. essentially yeah. right. Okay. Yeah. So
2: it rewards people who have money and uh, doesn't reward people who don't have money, uh, <laughs> who don't get to
0: spend stuff. Well, that's a, there is there is that. Well, too. so yeah. So the way that usually, and they yeah. call it a progressive consumption tax because it's not it's not the same thing as a your typical uh, consumption tax. But what I I do think it's important to combine with a basic income because then that actually makes these things progressive mm, because. Mm. You're you're taxing mostly the people who have the most money because they're the ones purchasing the most stuff. And it's actually allowing people who don't have the income in income um, and they're able to purchase as well, which is actually very important if you look at it this way. It's kind of – if you have a basic income plus a consumption tax and basically you're subsidizing purchasing power at the bottom end of the mm. spectrum using purchasing power at the top so let's say somebody's purchase of a yacht allows a lot of other people to purchase life vests and yeah. and towels you know and all the all the stuff that we need to run an economy these small things mm. that, that millions of people purchase and that's what one of the problems with the economies all over the world actually is that you've eroded incomes is actually er- eroding buying power and you've you've got these markets that are uh orienting more towards the rich more mm. towards mm. those with money so you've got like luxury stuff yeah. that's being created uh, because people at the bottom don't have money to spend anymore mm. so it just makes a lot of sense to actually increase consumer buying power for everybody at the bottom at yeah. the bottom 60 percent, so that they can purchase more
2: so is there a risk that if people can meet their basic living standards that they just
1: won't look for work, that they won't won't want to work?
0: Yeah, that's, again, that's another do we, major we Do fear. we
1: all become lazy bums just drinking beer right. and watching television and getting huge on couches that we can now buy?
0: Yeah, it's funny. If you look at polls, let's say, if you... If you ask somebody and you say okay if you had a basic income what would you do Mm. and these kind of polls the eight out of ten people say oh well i'm going to keep working and i'm going to you know maybe i'll start my own business or you know maybe i'll take a little bit less time off but focus on this and that's kind of like your typical answer is Mm. that there's all kinds of things people want to do and they don't necessarily want to stop working or they don't to switch to something else no one wants to just sit around doing doing Mm. nothing but then if you ask those same people what do you think other people would do with the base income? <laughs> and then all of a sudden it's, it's switched. Yes, yes. You've got you've got eight out of ten people going. They'll do nothing. they will just sit at home watching TV and eating potato chips. So yep, yep. there's a difference. There's a difference <laughs> between what people think they would do and what people. Uh, what other people would do. And unfor- unfortunately, like if you look at the science of what happens when people are given money, like when unconditional cash transfers have been given, mm. when basically on pilots like in Namibia and uh, India and like, and you've got stuff like the Alaska dividend mm. and even you've got data from existing welfare programs that we've actually looked at more closely. Like even uh, an interesting finding was just people having the ability to apply for food stamps. The, the existence of food stamps actually contributed to more entrepreneurship. Hmm. So uh, that's what we find is that you uh, that when people are given money, that they actually do use that money. To actually, invest in themselves, invest in businesses, yeah. contribute to local businesses. It spurs the economy. Yeah. There's a multiplier effect. It's a it's a large multiplier effect. Mm. I,
1: I was just thinking then, whilst you were chatting and, and while we were thinking about it, if someone gave me thousand dollars a month just to put it in, and I'm a middle income earner, oh, I'm, I'm I'm doing okay. Like I'm, I'm not I'm not rich, but I'm doing, I'm a teacher, so you know I'm definitely not rich, um, but I'm doing all right, and I'm, mm. I'm I'm very firmly middle class. If I had a thousand dollars a month, that would be Pay my rent entirely, and it would pay my food and a little bit extra as well. To be honest, like that way, I, I, my, my needs are, are small. If I didn't have to worry well, that's about... if you take out all of the Bioshock models and Shh, uh, action figures that you Well, that's cool. Spend well, money obviously, action, there'd be an action figure money on top of that, Dan. Obviously, the government's going to ah. pay me for action figures. Uh, not dolls, they're action figures. The dolls are something else that you're spending stop, your money on. Stop, stop, speaking. stop speaking. It's not ruining my, my mystique. Uh, so, uh, for me, that would allow me to do more... <laughs> do more creative work a lot more creative work so i'd be able to not things that don't pay a lot people go oh well you're going to do this like acting or something like that i could therefore go and do knowing that i would have food on my table it would just it would open me up to more things
0: yeah that's uh, that's one of these things too like if, if you just look at the existence uh, of insurance if people have insurance there's this concern that that people might actually take too many risks hmm. they- Consider the problem, mm. and so, like, let's say if your if your car is insured, then maybe you'll uh, crash into more things than if it wasn't insured.
2: So uh, I have found myself you're... lighting more internal <laughs> fires recently. Yes, and I don't have a fireplace. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so there's this idea that there's that, that we all know that being having more security leads to greater risk taking mm. and so if, if you have more money if you're not worried about starving or going homeless then mm. you actually you're more likely to take these risks and but these are income risks these are like yes. well maybe i can actually go out and uh, try this new business idea maybe mm. I, I could mm. actually try to be an artist maybe i should you know start my own blog and create mm. this thing like there's so many things that people want to do but maybe they feel too insecure to actually try to do those things mm. but then if their if their income is secure to a point where they don't have to worry about the absolute worst possibilities yeah. then they actually can do so many more things
1: yeah it, it opens you up to a lot, lot more a lot more information if we, right. wanted, if we
2: wanted to pay for this could we get all the poor people to play the guitar on the mtv because that ain't working. That's the way to do it. <laughs> Money for Money nothing. Money for nothing. Oh, yeah. uh, and chicks for free, yes, which yes. is, oh, it oh, just got very misogynistic. There it, it really was.
1: That's um, right.
0: yeah. Thank you, Dad.
2: Is your proposal to provide chicks for free?
0: <laughs> no, there's, a, there's no uh, chick means testing, I guess. Okay. <laughs> Not yet. We can work on that. <laughs> Um, okay, so uh, now this is
1: all theoretical, obviously. It's never been done anywhere in the world, has I hope it? D- I hope this oh, plan doesn't leave us in dire straits. Ah,
2: very good. Put a tick That's on a tick. piece of paper. Okay, next we've, to me. we've done very well. We've okay. hit our
1: bad joke quota for the day. Uh, so is, this has never
0: been done. Have? This is all theoretical. This is just in your head and in the head of crazy people around the world. Right, well, the closest, I believe, is Alaska, uh, mm. that actually has shown it's it's not a full amount, it's not enough, but it can actually be quite. Quite a bit. So let's say if you've got a household of five and you just got $2,000 each, then that's $10,000 for the household. Mm-hmm. And that's what's going on in Alaska right now. And Alaska is considered like it's the happiest state in, in the country. It's got the lowest poverty and inequality. Okay. In the US, people are happiest with their jobs in Alaska. But so it's it, so
2: f***ing it, cold! <laughs> <laughs> are they crazy?
1: That's
0: right. But they can see Russia from their house, so that's always nice. Yeah. Um, and it's, there's also more evidence as well. There's really interesting if you look at what happened in the uh, North Carolina with uh, casino dividends. Hmm. And this was everyone that was a neighbor of this tribe got uh, $4,000 per year. And this has happened for over a decade. And this is part of the great Smoky Mountain study where it just happened to be going on at the same time. It was just mm. pure mm. serendipity. So they were able to study what happened when one group of people didn't have this extra $4,000 per person and another group did. Mm. And so they found some amazing uh, effects with, like, especially the kids because these kids were raised in households where the parents were less stressed out and they had greater incomes and their personalities turned out better, like, wow. uh, they were less stressed out. And this, so these are like long-term effects that have mm. happened that we've witnessed. So no country has actually done this on a large scale, but we do have some very interesting evidence on a lot of different areas and different countries, different programs that are somewhat similar but smaller. So and you wipe so-
2: out poverty on like a massive scale, and then, then the next generation you've got a whole bunch of kids who aren't suffering from the mental effects of growing up in poverty. That's going to be a huge bo- boon to an economy.
0: Yeah, it mm. really – it's, it's mm. a hu- huge thing that people aren't really considering. What I like to talk about is that your secondary and tertiary effects, these stuff that it's not just about increasing somebody's income. It's not just raise. It's what happens after that. Mm. And then what happens after that? There are these rebounding effects that are positive, especially that that's a very good example of what happens with the kids. And they do show that they've even seen this like with welfare too, like uh, the kids who got assistance actually showed greater earnings as adults. So, I mean, you, you see these effects where where this just continues going down the line and across a lot of areas. Yeah. Another important effect, I believe, too, is, this is a, a big one, and this is just the ability to say no to any job. Yes. And the, so, <laughs> so if someone is offering you a job for $7 an hour and you're earning $1,000 a month already of basic income, then mm. you can say to that person, no, I refuse to work for you at this low of pay because mm. it's it, – I don't see the point in it. But if you pay me $20 an hour, I'd be happy to work for you. So it, <laughs> it, it enables uh, greater bargaining power at the personal level without need of minimum wages or unions or these kind of things. Oh, uh, oh
1: that's interesting. Because I, I just felt all our business listeners bristle quite badly when you started mentioning $20 an hour. But I, I like the idea of because, yes, we, Australia, we have unions and they're, they're not super strong, but that upsets some people. Some, some people like it, some people don't like it. But it, it gets rid of that. Pr- problem of oh sorry not problem it gets rid of that need to have a union because the individual has a bargaining power already that they're labor basically
0: yeah and it's not to say that it can you know replace unions that are anti-union it's just to Mm. say that you you don't require unions to have bargaining power anymore Mm. with the basic Mm. income Mm. and that basically there are unions that could actually be helped by it because the basic income could also actually act as like a universal strike fund so that they don't actually need this money uh, to pay for these kind of things (laughs) so there's a lot of other effects that happen after this There's a lot of doors open with with the basic income that, that people don't necessarily see right off the bat but if you start looking into it you'll start seeing those doors
1: this might sound like a silly question, if we suddenly had the money, so now i 'm not talking about the poor because you 're giving it to everyone, you're giving it to someone like me who doesn 't need that money particularly to live i, I 'm living off my own. I would spend a thousand dollars a month more, maybe i 'd save it, but I, it would go into the economy would that overheat an economy suddenly to have all these people. In the middle income bracket, spending a thousand bucks extra a month, twelve thousand dollars a year.
0: Yeah. So it, again, it depends on how much that is, and if you're at the bottom of the spectrum, then it's not necessarily an extra amount because it's replacing mm, the amount. Yes. Yeah. say if you're if you're middle class and you're getting an extra thousand dollars, I don't see it overheating it to the point where it actually is a problem because right now money velocity is extremely low everywhere. People are not spending enough, and again, the inflation targets people are falling short. So So we want people to spend more money. We want to actually stimulate the economy Mm. because this is a problem that there's just not enough going on right now. The only people spending money are those at the top. Right. So we do want that to a point. That's why it it might not be a good idea to give everybody $3,000 a month or Mm. or $4,000 a month. There is a limit where you might not want to just jump to that point. Mm. There could be problems after that. But as far as just your basic stuff, you're you're covering your basic needs. I think that's actually be a very positive. Of economic growth effect, and that's even the IMF actually came out with a really interesting report just recently. They studied what would happen if you were to decrease or increase the distribution of each quintile by one percent. So, if you if you increase the total, say, slice. To the pie yep. of the bottom 20% by just 1%, mm. just gave them a little bit more money to spend, then economic growth would actually be about an additional 0.28. Mm. And right now it's around 3, let's say. So mm. it's around a 10. 10- percent boost just with that small amount.
1: So that means that for people, I just now wanted to make sure, to make it sound palatable to people who have a lot of money or or power and and, and wealth, that means that people are buying more stuff, so even though they've lost a certain amount of money, a a percentage, then people will be buying more and they will make more money in this system. That's sort of what you're implying. Exactly. Or at least the same amount of money, if not more. While we've got the ear of these people, consider sponsoring Smart
2: Enough (laughs) to Know Better.
1: (laughs) A podcast of Science,
2: Comedy and Ignorance. Your donation can help us buy a smart enough to know better yacht.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if, uh, if, if GDP went up from 3% to 6%, mm. that would be a huge, huge deal for those at the top. I mean, they'd be very happy with that. Mm. It's, it's, yes. It's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> if if you got your it's stocks, you, you you see that much more uh, return on your investment in this way. So yeah, you mm-hmm. pay more in taxes at the same time, you get more back.
1: You're getting more back.
0: Now right. I just for in
1: our in our country uh, with the GFC when it all came down, we were very uh, lucky. There was let them said lucky not the right word, but we had a large surplus, and the government at the time just gave it to the people. They everyone got $900 to spend. Suddenly uh-huh. it's 900 and people there was a lot of argument about it, but Australia came out of the GFC largely untouched and like our economy did very well. We sailed through compared to a lot of other countries anyway. We we came out mm-hmm. of it very 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 well. And people still argue it was the wrong thing to do, but really now <laughs> the, the economics have pointed out that they're wrong. Uh, and spending right. spending money is what got us through the GFC as a country and left us in, as the powerhouse, the small powerhouse, but the the mm. powerhouse that we are power today. Power shed. The power shed, yeah, the, yeah, the, the, the power yeah. best friend. So giving people, just to tie it back, giving people this money would allow you to weather problems uh, such as financial crises, as long as you keep getting a thousand dollars.
0: Yeah, it, it's especially important in terms of coming technological unemployment as as we shift away from human labor and go more towards machine labor, it, it makes absolute sense in order to make sure that people can actually buy what all the machines are producing because mm. they don't have an income. So in order to keep this economy even functioning, we actually have to start doing that. Mm. Unless we want to change our entire system in, in like dumping capitalism or dumping money, like it would it would require require an entire shift of thinking. Whereas if we want to keep going the way that we're going, at least in the same direction, then we need to actually make sure that people can buy everything that the economy produces.
1: Can, can I just ask a question just to bring it back home? It's in Australia, Western Australia, the largest state we have. It has a lot of the mining. Recently, in the last 10 years, they've discovered everything's in Western Australia, like, like so much good stuff under the ground. Queensland, where we live, has lots of stuff to mine. But when they dig it out of the mm-hmm. ground, the money doesn't go to Queenslanders. The small amount of money that goes to Australia at all goes to Australia, not to the states. But when you mentioned Alaska before, you said that mm-hmm. it was going to Alaskans. How does that work? Are, are your states stronger in holding on to their resources than we are?
0: Yeah. It's it's really it's a brilliant thing that they did, and it's they're the only ones in the world uh, that have done it. The closest is Norway, that they actually mm. have a very large fund too, but they fund government with it instead mm. of people. It's just it's a very brilliant thing to do in Alaska, and they actually they didn't do it to just give people money. It was actually there was some tactical uh, strategizing to this. And what they did is they wanted to make sure that this fund lasted because it was a permanent fund, and they wanted to make sure that this fund is there after mm. the oil dries up. So in order to do this, that. They wanted to, to give people some skin in the game. They mm-hmm. wanted to say, okay, it should be in your interest to make sure that this money sticks around. We do not want them allowing government to dip into these funds. Mm-hmm. They it, it, it should be fun, hands off. Yeah. Yep. So they thought, okay. So what if we give everybody dividend? Then therefore they would want to make sure that the fund always grows because if anyone dips <laughs> into it, then their dividend will go down. Right. And that's ex- exactly what has happened. Is that it's actually it's created the opposite effect where where it's in politicians' interest to actually add money to the fund and to like even Sarah Palin gave a bonus when she was governor mm. because it was just so incredibly popular for people to get these, <laughs> these dividends because it's and they consider it theirs. It's not any. It's not stealing. From from oil companies or anything. Yeah. It's saying that okay, these are our resources and this is our wealth and we should get a share of it, just like shareholders in a corporation would.
1: So for all the Australians listening to our podcast right now, wouldn't it be amazing if when we dug things out of the ground, which are going to run out one day, all the gold and the silver and the bauxite and the coal, that actually a percentage of that went into a fund for all Australians. Just put it out there, Australia. Crazy idea, but let's, <laughs> let's give it a go. Well, the Aboriginal Australians
2: looked after it for longer, so shouldn't they get the Absolutely. I am
1: I am fine with that. The indigenous Australians can take the lion's <laughs> share of it. I have no problem with this.
0: It sounds like
1: yeah. this structure is like the first step on
2: the road to a utopian society.
0: Yeah, it, it's funny how this idea this uh, word of utopia has gotten like a uh, a, a bad connotation over the years where <laughs> like the dystopian utopia. <laughs> it's really the way that we've gotten is that, that now it's it's acceptable to be dystopian where all mm-hmm. of our movies are kind of dystopian and they're all warnings of how things can be mm. uh, if we continue the way that we're going whereas like decades ago we actually created m- movies and books that were more about so how good can we make things uh, yep. what yep. can we do like star trek is utopian yes and, star yeah. and, trek yeah. now that's communism time. done right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yes. what yes. i think is star trek is it's a great example i feel too is because uh it's actually guided our technology like we mm. wanted to have our own personal cell phone and we wanted we want to create the food yeah replicators um, the replicator replicator mm. yeah it's like we want to create these things because we see them and we're like oh that's such a good idea nice. and so it gives us something to work for it gives mm. us something mm. to fight for it gives us something to, to actually set as a goal mm. and so there's no goals in dystopia we see this stuff and we're like it's just stuff that we want to avoid without any idea of something better yeah so i think it's important it's important to think okay well how can things be better mm. what can we do and mm. yeah in that way i think this is definitely utopian and that it's a step forward it's It's something that we can actually go towards that's realistic, it's possible, and we can achieve that if we set our sights on that.
1: Okay, so we've thought about this. Hopefully the listeners now are, okay, we're on board or at least interested in the concept. The problem with a lot of these great ideas is that they're great ideas. They sit in people's heads and they never, ever, ever Come into reality. What's the next step? How how do we proceed based on your your uh, your writings and your research?
0: Yes. Yeah, so uh, first of all, I would look at just. Acknowledge what Switzerland is doing. They're going to vote on this themselves mm. because they actually have the ability in Switzerland to uh, get petition to get signatures on a petition and, mm. and create an initiative and just vote on stuff. They have a really strong version of direct democracy there mm. where they actually just vote on something as a as a people. So they're going to do that next year, oh, and wow. okay. uh, so we'll see that Switzerland may be the first. Now, another thing is Finland actually is just there's strong support in Finland for this as well. Their social security agency. Is actually already uh, drawing up plans to, uh, they're going to do like a pilot around uh, 550 euros per person, and then the full will be uh, 800 euros per person. So they're working on that uh, in Finland. Then the Netherlands are doing experiments as well. They're testing their welfare programs to actually try what happens if they remove the conditions and just give people cash and don't take it back with work. Oh, wow. Uh, Okay. (laughs) So there's lots of things, and this is creating these uh, different Programs and movements uh, in each country actually helps build it to the rest of the world. It's always mm-hmm. big news. So I don't know the exact best strategy in Australia, mm-hmm. but you know maybe you could go for some kind of passing a law there, or maybe starting like a smaller version, something like what you said with maybe you could do like an Alaska-style mm-hmm. dividend that would go to everybody. Maybe you could experiment with your own welfare systems mm-hmm. and forming those into a universal version. Like there's a bunch of different things you can do to actually provide a universal amount to everybody equally. Hmm. Versus Maybe it's time to break basic basic out
2: amounts. the Gina Reinhardt piñata
1: <laughs> <laughs> and finally suck out that sweet, sweet cash. <laughs> Scott Santens, thank you very much for enlightening us about basic income. I've actually learned a lot, and actually I'm all excited now to try and force government to do what I want, which, sound, <laughs> which actually sounds like dictatorship. But, oh, well, you know, we'll see how it happens. Uh. That's great. Well, thanks for having me. <laughs> oh, actually, one last thing, Scott. Can you think of one thing we should have asked you that we didn't ask?
0: <laughs> so I would say if anybody is interested in learning more about basic income, that they should check out the basic income community on Reddit. And that's reddit.com slash r slash basic income. I'm actually one of the moderators there. And kind of my goal, uh, something I've done on a daily basis for years now, is to collect information online and post it there
1: okay that's fantastic we will send all our listener to to reddit hopefully they can the, your the, the plural of listener um li- listenum I listenum all oh, the listenums okay yeah. yes yes hopefully reddit can take the strain of our extra listeners <laughs> <laughs> uh, <clears throat> anyway if people want to know more about you scott and maybe support you where would they go
0: yeah so i've actually crowdfunded uh my own basic income on a uh, patreon.com slash scott Santons, and uh, you can support me there and uh, help me advocate for basic income and also so uh, once I uh, reach my goal, then I can actually help other people gain their basic incomes as well.
1: That's fantastic. Thank you,
0: Scott. Thank you.
1: Thank you very much to Scott Santons again.
0: Oh, my goodness. It really
1: opened my eyes. I love the, I love the concept. And I and I think what I love about it is people – and hopefully you're listening out going, but what about this problem? What about that problem? Because I've done that. Like I've gone through and gone, wait, hang on. What about this? Go and read about it. We'll put some links in the show notes. And go and read about it and – Make up your own mind is this something that Australia could do is this something America could do is this something that China could do Is so anyone could do and if you don't like it, why don't you like it I'm, I'm interested like like is is it because we can't afford it or is it because People need to dig ditches to live? or I, I'm intrigued. We've got to live in the future. Yeah, I know. We're, you grew we're, up watching the Jetsons? We're not going to have jobs. We're not going to have jobs. There's it, it's a good chance that people listening to podcasts won't have jobs. And definitely your children will not have jobs. They're not going to exist. And I, I, it's not just me speaking. That's Dr. Stefan haikovic who we've interviewed on this podcast. He's worried about his 10-year-old kid. And that's, you know, how, what's he going to do for a living? So these are people thinking about this already. Anyway, but was, this is what people wanted. Like 40 years ago, had, in the future, we'll only work two days a week. Mm, mm. We're at that point. Yeah, yeah. We should only be working two days a week. Yep. But we're not. Just, when, like, just like the people from Scarabray from 3000 BC who only worked three days a week and have four day weekends. They were more advanced than us in the Neolithic age.
2: I used to have four day weekends. Yep. I used to do three 10 hour shifts a week. Nice. I mean, four day weekends. Oh, okay. It was the best. <laughs> It was amazing. <laughs> oh, my God. It was so good. So thank you to we Scott. We should all be doing that. We should... You don't need to get every
1: iteration of the iPhone, girl no. clumsy. <laughs> <laughs> if you want that, that's the best thing about this this concept of, of basic guaranteed income. If you want to work hard in a certain job and get money to doing it, that's fine. That's great. Go and earn all the money so you can buy all the, all the iPads and all the iPods. Do, do you know how many
2: people do a job... That has no value to humanity. Mm. No value. Just replace it with like, one of them birds that goes tick, yep. tick, tick, nodding birds. Yep. They could be out there volunteering their services to Yes, well, not the poor, obviously, because everyone would have. Well, it's still,
1: but the people who are needy. Just because you've got money doesn't mean you still wouldn't need someone to help you carry your groceries if your back's planted. there. You go. But that, you, may, you might be going. Well, that's rubbish, Greg. And I don't want to help old people, and that's fine too. You're a horrible person. But no, I don't particularly want to go out and, and help the elderly. That's not yeah, my look. My... We all want to, We all
2: want to help out hot blonde girls with big boobs, <laughs> right? But there's just not enough to but, go around.
1: But you can do. You can help the world in the way you help the world. If that's writing poetry, that's writing poetry. If that's helping old grandmas cross street. It's helping old grannies. It's if that's building sandcastles for kids. That's what you do. This is all okay. We are no longer a, an ape that has to fight for survival. Mm. We don't have to do it anymore. We don't have to do it. People go, "Where's the money coming from?" There's so much resources on this planet. There's so much food on this planet. It's distribution is the problem. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I'm okay. I'm also obviously lazy. I think that's the thing. <laughs> I can hear my mother in my head now going, "He's a lazy boy. Yeah. Like, how do they raise such a lazy boy?"
2: <laughs> I, f- I feel bad about that blonde comment. Oh, I'm sorry. I much prefer redheads. You have been listening to Dan at smartenough.org. Also Greg at smartenough.org. Follow us on Twitter, S-E-T-K-B.
1: Facebook! S-E-T-K-B. And iTunes, review us and subscribe. Definitely subscribe, definitely review us, get us into the top page. Come on, you can do it. You want to give us that. We
2: are going to be doing three live shows at the Woodford Folk Festival between Christmas and the day after New Year. There are days. I think there's a Wednesday in there.
1: We will be uh, Monday the 28th, Wednesday the 30th, and the first day of 2016, which is Friday. We will be there with special guest stars, doing a live show like we did for the 100th show. So go to the Woodford Folk Festival website yes, and yes. Uh, buy tickets and come if you'd and like to. And see us. It'd be awesome. And not just us, we've got special guest stars Spencer Housen from ABC Radio. We've got PhD candidate Caitlin Syme, who we've had in the podcast world. Stuart Late, the chocolate voice mountain god himself. Girl Clumsy will be there. She's going to bring her phone. She's going to bring her phone. You can show it off. Uh, we've got Dr. Greg Watson who told us all about fecal transplants in the past, we've even got a psychologist, PhD psychologist, Dr. Cassandra Perryman as well. Oh, and Dr. Jen Parsons. Oh my goodness, it's so many great people who are coming to the shows. You will see lots of really cool people talking lots of cool stuff. And more importantly, you can come up and tell us something cool about science and to everyone else and win valuable prizes because Elbow Fish... David Galiel from Elbowfish has decided to give us some games for Anti-Matter Matters, remember we talked about that in the podcast he's going to give us some of those and jucks as well, so you could win real games from us for free at the Woodford Folk Festival at our show, and
2: as we, we always like to say Communism done
1: right That's not what it is
2: Oh, look, he's a moderator on Reddit. I'm sure he deals with people asking stupid <laughs> questions all the time. Yes.
1: Which is supposedly the sign of a good interviewer. That
2: sounds like us. That's the theory. We're pretty good interviewers. That's what they when say. Not, when we're not shrieking and yelling at them. So, well, that's... that's Dropping f bum. That's that's, that's also fun.
1: <laughs> supposedly it's called the fappening. The fappening. That's what I like. People named... <laughs> They
2: named this thing, very weird, look, if you'd come up with the name the fappening, yes, for for this thing and someone else heard it, they would definitely tell someone else. Yes. Like, it's yeah, a yeah, great yeah. name.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's really well... Like, Do you think, though, he created the... So whoever, like, created the name The Fappening many, many years ago and we have been waiting for the right moment to deliver it up until us? No, no, he,
2: he was like, oh, I've come up with this idea called The Fappening. I'm going to need to learn how to hack into people's iCloud <laughs> accounts.
1: <laughs> that's, well, that's my career worked out for the next 25 years. Steve, are we accusing Steve Jobs of The Fappening? You heard it here first. Yeah. We have no evidence to back this off. Why do you think they call him Jobs? I'm shaking my head.
2: Yeah. I can hear it. (laughs)